Hello and welcome to the Talking Fantasy Podcast brought to you by aflfantasyexpert.com.au. I am Chris Slater and I am here with George Devrakis. George, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. Now, I'm catching up a little bit on the Great Rankings debate. It's 8-4 now, so I'm slowly getting there. We're actually 5-4 over the last few weeks after you steamrolled me 3-0 in the opening, uh, the opening matchup. Yeah, no, you are, you are getting there, mate. It's, it's worrying. I might have to pull out a few more tricks to see if I can extend my lead, but uh, we'll see how we go. It's interesting. It's hotting up. Uh, I can't wait to see what you've got in store for that later in the show. And on your fantasy team, I've... I'm going okay. Started four and one, so I've got my big top of the ladder showdown with the five and O team this week. But George, I understand you are playing the long game. You've gone with quite a clever strategy, which maybe could work out for you, um, where you're holding on to some injured players before making the late push before finals. So Dunkley's yeah. one I think you held on to. Yeah, I, tra- I, I, I have Dunkley. I drafted him. I traded actually in for still side bottom. Um, and I'm holding Jordan Dugowie. So Jordan will be back next week. My midfield has been decimated, to be honest. But I'm hoping if I can get to, you know, four and four, something like that, and get Dunklin still side bottom back in, scoring you know, adjusted scores of 120, which is kind of what they were showing pre-suspension and injury respectively, the team should be... Okay, you know, I, I should be able to make a pretty decent push into finals. So I'm hoping that I just scrape in, but it's a short season. If this was a regular season, I wouldn't be worried. But with a short season, you just don't know. It'll be an interesting one. Yeah, well, the most important thing is getting your best scores at the right time of year rather than now. So I think that's a pretty good strategy. But um, George, we'll start off with the top non-fantasy story of the week. And uh, you are in Melbourne, so it has been a tough week for Victorians. Yes, yes. All I can say, mate, is heading into another six weeks or so of, of lockdown, somebody must have tipped off the AFL to get everyone on flights just before these announcements. I don't know how that worked out, but all I can say is thank you because, yes, there's another few weeks of lockdowns coming up for us in Victoria. We'll get through it, but it'll be a lot easier because, thank God, we have football. Exactly, George. Yeah. On the footy side, there has been actually a bit of discussion as to what to do in this five-week block and do you squeeze a few more matches in for the players? But um, I think it's already pretty difficult circumstances that they're going through. They've moved into state, they've left their family, they're in their hubs. I'm pretty happy keeping it one match a week just for these five weeks. And if we need to then have a week or two off as buy rounds so um, players can return home or even split rounds, etc. after this stretch of matches, I think that'll still leave plenty of time, hopefully, to finish the season off by December if all goes to plan um, after the next kind of five or six weeks. But um, let's now jump into the studs and the duds. So these are our weekly segment where we review, review the previous round and, and the studs are really the top performers in round five relative to what we expected beforehand. And the first two studs are Eagles. The West Coast Eagles uh, were back last week and Brad Shepard had a great game in defence. He was projected to be the number 22 defender, which is still pretty elite, but he was actually the number two defender with a season high, 120 adjusted fantasy points. And he gets a great matchup this week. The Eagles have got the Crows, who have given up the most fantasy points per game to defenders in 2020. So expect the good times to continue for Brad Shepard and the Eagles. And the other West Coast player that was a stud last week is the 
sometimes inconsistent Dom Sheed, but he had a great game. He was projected to be the number 59 midfielder and he was actually the number four midfielder. He had a season high also with 139 adjusted fantasy points last week. And like Shepard, has a great matchup. The Crows are also the worst at giving up fantasy points per game to midfielders. So midfielders and defenders are both loving playing the Crows. Sheed was actually in about a third of the Eagles' centre bounce attempts last week. So with Luke Shuey out this week, that might mean even more for Sheed with Shuey out for the whole game. So maybe expect Sheed to be in there for about 50% of the centre bounces. So, George, would you be loading up on some of these Eagles like Shepard and Sheed because they've got that easy matchup this week against the Crows and then they go back home to Perth for a long period of time. So is it time now to, to get the Eagles on board, trade in for them if you can? Yeah, I think I wouldn't be trading anybody in for just one week because you're probably going to have to give up some quality. So Sheed may be okay, but to your point, he's been quite inconsistent in the past. Yes, I know the weekend he scored very well, but he's done that over the last few years and still only averaged in the low 90s because he has many, many games that aren't very good on the score sheet for fantasy players. So I personally wouldn't be bringing in Dom Sheed. Sure, he won't be out for that long. Probably out for one or two weeks. That being said, Shepard uh, and even Shannon Hearn, if you can bring those guys in, I think have proven uh, over a long period of time to be very good backmen. And I think they will, they'll do a, they will do really well. Um, the other one to consider, mate, is actually Elliot Yo, who a couple of years ago, I think, was an absolute tackling beast. And even the start of this year has done okay but not amazingly well. So if an opportunity presents, I know you're going to have to give up some quality. I'm not on the sheet bandwagon per se, but I think Shepard, uh, she- sorry, Hearn and even Yo are ones to keep on the radar for sure. Yeah, I love Yo. He had a great game last week. Looks like he is back in his usual form also after being down for the first couple of weeks or the last couple of weeks before that. Um, in the next stud is Andrew Brayshaw of the Dockers. He was projected to be the number 54 forward and he was the number two forward in fantasy last week. Um, we actually said on the aflfantasyexpert.com.au forward rankings article online that Brayshaw was the number one free agent must-add for the week given his matchup against the Crows. And hopefully you read the article because and started Brayshaw because he absolutely delivered and took advantage of that great matchup against the Crows. He had... 133 adjusted fantasy points last week. And he was actually one of the big beneficiaries of Nat Fife's injury. He played in about half of the Dockers' centre bounce attempts last week. And I think Fife is... He could play this week, but if he misses, um, Brayshaw's going to have a lot of midfield minutes. And even I think if Fife plays, um, I think he's probably going to play a bit more forward than he normally does So um, in his first match back from injury. So that could spell a lot more midfield minutes for Brayshaw um, for at least the next week or two to keep up that good form. Um, And the last of the studs, George, back-to-back weeks. Tim English is on the list. He was projected to be the number 13 Ruckman. He was actually the number three Ruckman. And over the last three weeks, he's averaged 116 adjusted fantasy points per game, which is pretty much the most informed Ruckman in the league if you take out the big three of Grundy, Gorn and Goldstein. Um, And also last week, for the first time, he performed really well against elite competition He had 124 adjusted fantasy points against Goldstein and the Kangaroos, which was a big improvement in terms of quality of opposition versus who he played against in the previous couple of weeks who he scored well against. So it's looking like he's a pretty dependable top 10 Ruckman week in, week out now going forward, regardless of matchup. 
And who knows if he keeps up that form for the next few weeks, he might be getting into that, um, you know, close to that top five conversation. Do, do you think there's a chance, George, that English is a top five ruckman at the end of the year? And do you think that maybe he could elevate himself and he might be worth trading in over someone like a Jared Witts or a Rowan Marshall, who maybe have a better track record long term, but they're not in as hot form as English? I mean, there's a chance he's a top five ruckman by the end of the year. But, I mean, for me, I think that by the end of the year, and I know this is probably what, um, there's always a surprise, right? But this is a pretty, a pretty stock standard list. It's going to be Grundy, Gorn, Goldstein, Wits, Marshall. They're going to be your top five. You're going to have Steph Martin knocking on the door after he gets over a few of these little niggles. And I think English will be in that conversation. He'll be in that conversation as a top call it seven ruckman. Um, personally, I'd probably be looking to trade in someone like a Wits or a Marshall and take advantage of the last couple of weeks' form of English because I just don't know. I mean, if you look at him, he's a beanpole. Like, I just don't know if he's going to be able to maintain this. He's got a very young body. He's fantastic when he's in form, but sometimes, as we saw in round one, he gets mauled by some of the better opposition. So I'm not saying bring in English just yet. If anything, I'm saying take a risk and, and, and cash in some of his good form now. But that being said, he is by far the best young ruckman in the league and by far and away the best young ruckman in the league. And he will be, I think, in that top seven. But I don't think he cracks into the, the top five just yet, is my prediction. Yeah, it is interesting. He obviously does have that uh, slender body that you think maybe he would get injured, but he just seems to, I guess, be a bit more for a ruckman and outside player. So maybe that's to his advantage in terms of he doesn't really go into the contest as much as some of the others from an injury perspective. But um, yeah, I saw something this week. Somebody in my league has got English as captain. So I never thought I would see that, um, but it has happened. So um, we'll see if that uh, proves to be true. Um, let's go to the duds. Um, and these are the bottom performers in round five relative to expectations. And the first dud is James Sicily. I mean, he was projected to be the number seven defender and he was a huge disappointment. The biggest disappointment of fantasy defenders last week. He was the number 102 defender. And what makes it even worse is he had a great matchup against GWS who normally give up a few more points to fantasy defenders. Um, but he only had a season low 45 adjusted fantasy points. So... Um, he's averaged 75 um, adjusted fantasy points per game over the course of the year. So not terrible, but still well below where he was last year. But he's just kind of in that middle zone, George, where there's probably not much you can do here with Sicily, right? Like if you drafted him, you probably did it quite high and he's doing okay enough not to be benched. Or if you trade him, you've got to probably go you know, with someone that has maybe a lot of good form, but not much of a track record at all, like a Ridley to, to trade for him. So it's probably, you're, you're in no man's land a little bit with Sicily, right? Yeah, mate, spot on. Um, again, this is kind of what I was saying with English on the, on the other side, right? Like I think you, there might be an opportunity to say, Sicily we know is a quality player. He's a bit of an aggro, but he's a good player and he will score well in fantasy most years. It might be an opportunity to try and bring him in. Like, you know, you may end up with egg on your face, but especially for, for players like me, to be quite frank, where the team is still building, you're, you're expecting to hit your straps later in the year. If you get a band of quality players fit and firing come around 10-11, the team will be close to unstoppable if you can get all of these things right. Now, it's a small word with a big meaning, but I actually think if you can trade in for Sicily at the moment, that's not a bad idea because you're not going to be paying anywhere near what you would have been paying for, uh, for him in the draft. So that, that would probably be my perspective on that one. 
Yep, yep, I think that's right, George. And then the second dud is Marcus Bontempelli. He's been a stud on these rankings before. Now he's a dud. He was 22 projected in the AFL fantasyexpert.com.au rankings last week as far as the midfield rankings. He was actually delivered the number 77 midfield performance. So he's been very inconsistent to start 2020. And particularly when he's been the focus of a tag from the opposition, he has been below his best, the Bont. He had a season-low 56 adjusted fantasy points last weekend. And if you take his three worst performances, his average 66 adjusted fantasy points per game, and his two best performances have been elite, averaging 104 adjusted fantasy points per game. So it's a bit of a, a bit of a hot and cold for the Bont. Can you trust someone as inconsistent as that, George, in your team going forward? Um, or do, do you hope that maybe when you get some of these midfielders return, you've got... Lockie Hunter coming back this week, Dunkley in about four or five weeks. Will that kind of spread a bit of the defensive attention in the midfield a bit more, which opens things up a bit for Bont um, more yeah. weeks than not? I think, I think maybe you just have to wait and see, right? Let's see. He's, a, he's a classy and quality player. He's had a couple of bad weeks. Let's see how he goes with Hunter in. But honestly, with Bont, and I've held him in other seasons, the story is always the same. You pray he gets, you pray that he gets dual position status and gets listed as a forward as well. If that happens, then amazing. He becomes basically the number one forward in the league or, or very, very close to. And that's kind of what you're hoping given he spends so much time up forward. As a pure midfielder, you know, at the end of the day, he's, he's a 95 adjusted average midfielder most, most games or on average. Um, sometimes he'll outperform, sometimes underperform. He's not going to be, you know, the Josh Kellys, the Trelaws, the, you know, even the Fifes of the world. That's not who he is as a fantasy scorer, even though as a player, he's obviously brilliant. Um, but at this point, I wouldn't be throwing you know, the baby out of the baby out of the bath with the bathwater, so to speak. Um, getting tongue tied there. Let let's keep the bond for a little bit. See how he goes with Hunter coming back. To your point, um, I think I think this I think there's a little more upside, mate. You you you'd probably be shortchanging yourself if you got rid of him now. Yes, the the baby out with the bathwater allergy you sounded like Travis Cloak there trying to uh, get that one out. But uh, let's go on to the next dud, Justin Westhoff. And he was projected to be the number nine forward and he was actually the number 146 forward last week. He's normally been pretty consistent to start 2020, but he was terrible last week. He had 25 adjusted fantasy points. And if you go back to the, the four previous games, his previous low in this season was 86 adjusted fantasy points. So it just showed what a drop-off it was for the Hoff. Um, is this just an off-Hoff week? Um, George, or should Westhoff owners be concerned that maybe his early season form was just in um, a chance because the, the power just had a great schedule early on and maybe that just coincided with an easy schedule? Let's not forget that Westhoff, a couple of years ago, was a huge fantasy scorer. He had heaps of time in the ruck, lots of midfield minutes, and has actually been playing a bit more in the ruck recently. Nowhere near what he used to be, but he's pinch hitting a little bit, and he's been scoring very well. So. Come on, let's not get carried away with this. He had a horrible week, whatever it was, 20-something unadjusted points last week. You know, very, very poor game. But most of the power didn't exactly light it up, so to speak. So let's keep the Hoff. Let's see how he goes. We're not expecting the same kind of crazy numbers from 2018, 2017. He's a bit older now. But come on, I think, I think maybe he's not, for the, for the long term, a top 10 forward. That, that's probably bullish uh, on the Hoff. But he's probably a top 20 forward, you know. So I, I think he's, he's close enough to, to, to warrant holding. 
Always the voice of reason, George. You're not, uh, you never jump off too soon and you never uh, jump on too soon, except when it comes to the great rankings debate, when sometimes you just pick players that have had one week of great form, but we'll get to that later. Um, but let's now finish off with the last dud, Steph Martin, projected to be the number nine Ruckman, and he was actually the number 18 Ruckman, and he, he underperformed in his first match back from injury, and he had 64 adjusted fantasy points and a lot of that was because he didn't have his usual ruck time um, the ruck split was about 60 percent for steph martin last week and 40 percent for oscar mcadurney so expect that to start increasing for martin um, in his second match back i'd expect that to be around the 80 percent of, of ruck time so i think he's going to pick up from here and i think he'll still be a good ruck option so definitely don't overreact but he was a dud last week steph martin but he'll be back um, this week and going forward that is it for the studs and the duds. Let's jump to the injuries. And on the defender side, the big news are Basha Hooley and Shane Edwards will be out for the next five weeks, probably five matches, but we'll see if they more matches condensed. Um, they're not travelling to Queensland um, to be part of that hub for personal reasons, to stay home uh, with the family. One has just had a young child. One is going um, to his wife's going to give birth in the coming weeks. So... Um, there's always that risk that the, the five weeks might end up being longer if the AFL compresses the season or maybe they extend the hub scenario or um, maybe there is no more Victorian games beyond five weeks. So that is a bit of a risk there for those guys. Um, do, do you think, George, should you hold on to Basha Hooley and hope that he only misses the five weeks? Um, or do you, it is, is it a bit of a risk that maybe he does end up missing the rest of the season or most of the season if there can't be games back in Victoria? Yeah, that's a very good question that <laughs> I cannot answer because nobody can. I, I think, man, you know, the, the reality is if you have a deep bench, maybe you hold him, right? Like, who's going to give you value for Hooli now? Probably nobody. Um, but if you don't and you're just trying to bank some wins, it's not like a Dunkley, right? Or a, even a still side bottom, which is even more concrete because, you know, precise or lucky hunter for that matter, when you know exactly when they come back, when they're going to come back, when they're going to play. This 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 circumstance is very unique. I don't know if Basha Hooley will be able to return to the Tigers this season. That's a legitimate point because he's got a young family, doesn't want to be away from Melbourne for an extended period. Even if he wanted to at this point, he wouldn't be able to enter the enter other states. Who knows what the crisis is going to be like in, in Victoria over the, over the coming weeks. So, you know... As I said, if, you, if you've got a deep bench, maybe you hold him. But six weeks is a very long time in this season, in, in the shortened version. And that could easily become 10 or 11 or God knows what. And there's no guarantees that he even returns to the squad because who knows what kind of form he's in, what kind of form the Tigers are in. There's just so many question marks. So I say this with a bit of a heavy heart because I know he's a fantastic player. If you have a very deep squad, you're, you're five and zip and it doesn't really impact you all that much, maybe you hold him. But otherwise, I would not be recommending trading him in. And if anything, he's, he could be a free agent, which is crazy. Yeah, it's an unbelievable top five fantasy defender one week and then free agent potentially the next. It is one of those where if you've got the bench space, um, he's a luxury to hold on to. But um, agree, if I've got, you know, if I'm running out of players because my bench is filled with all of these injuries that we'll be discussing, and if you've got to you know, choose between someone like a Hooli or a Sidebottom, it's a no-brainer. You're, you're going to keep Sidebottom. You know when he's back. Um, while Hooli, like you said, um, it could be um, much longer than the five weeks. Um, the other defender um, fantasy-relevant injuries or, or outs are pretty uh, minor this week. We've got Hayden Crozier, who was suspended for that sling tackle out a week. 
Reese Conker of the Dockers is unlikely to play after getting injured last week. And Ryan Burden of Port um, is looking like he will most likely return from injury, so that could be a valuable pickup um, if he's a free agent in some deeper draft leagues. Um, but midfield has been the big news injury-wise. Um, lots of injuries. Probably the biggest is Matt Rowell, who'll miss the rest of the season for the Gold Coast Suns, which is terrible news. Um, and then a lot of other new injuries. So you've got Trent Cotchen of the Tigers out for one to three weeks. Dion Prestia, also of the Tigers, will miss four to eight weeks. Luke Shuey of the Eagles will miss a week or two with a hamstring. Dan Hennebury also um, injured for three weeks of the Saints. And then you've got in deeper leagues, um, some players that might be relevant, uh, Cam Ellis-Yolman out for two to three weeks and Lin Jong is out for six to eight weeks. The good news is though, Lockie Hunter, as you mentioned, George, earlier, he'll be back from suspension this week, almost certain to, to play. And Dane Zorko has been named and will be back from injury also. Um, the other good news is that Fife could return earlier than expected from injury and potentially um, Callum Ward and Zach Jones both look likely to return this week. The one to check out for as a game time decision is Sean Higgins. He may play this week. He was injured last week. Um, the unlikely um, but outside chances are for Ben Cunnington and Tim Taranto. So check those teams when they are released. What do you think about those? Some of a lot of these players that are coming back, George, that have been re-injured at least once this season, like Dane Zorko, like Ben Cunnington. They're kind of normally dependable fantasy starters. Would you put them straight back into your starting lineup if they're named and they are playing this week? Or do you sit them on your bench for a less heralded player, but someone that's been in form like a Jed Anderson or a Jared Berry? I think you play them. I mean, Cunnington was disappointing in his first game back, obviously getting injured uh, and arguably brought back too early. But I do think in this modern day that we live in that you have to trust the medical staff and assume that we're nowhere near finals. It's not as if you know coaches are pulling out Hail Marys. They want their teams to, of course, be winning. We're nowhere near the point where it's life or death, so to speak, in, in an AFL context. There's, there's many more opportunities to go. So if a player is being brought in to play this week, for instance, Personally, I would assume that they have been cleared and are as close to fully fit as they're ever going to be before taking an AFL field, and I would have the confidence to play them. So, you know, look at Trelaw, for instance, right? His first game back, he was managed through a couple of practice games, came back, hit the ground running, and then personally, having watched that game, I didn't think he was amazing in-game, but from a fantasy perspective, amazing, right? Huge score. So I I wouldn't be... um, not playing Zorko and playing Berry because there's a question mark over Zorko's fitness. If he's selected, let's just back Brisbane in. Let's back the medical staff and assume they're being responsible and try and make the most out of what we can from a, from, from a fantasy score. Yeah, I agree, George. I think, yeah, the incidents like Cunnington last week, they're pretty few and far between in terms of relative to what normally happens. It's more likely like the, um, maybe not the points of Trelaw, but similar kind of output and playing out the whole game when you're back from injury because the medical staff get it right more often than not. Um, on the on the forward injuries, um, the new injuries are Jake Stringer, who will miss between one and three months with that ankle injury that he suffered on the weekend. And Bailey Smith, who's been one of the big risers this year, is questionable to play this week after suffering a concussion in the opening minutes of last week's game. Also, Jack Stephen is out this week. He's being managed. And Jordan Degoe will miss this week after he had to stay in Melbourne um, and do COVID testing following uh, a police charge laid against him. Um, 
The others are Jack Zebel is questionable to play. He might return this week, while Blake Akers might finally make his season debut this week. If you've held on to him, then you are a very, very patient, diligent owner. Um, on the ruck uh, injuries, Toby Dan Kerbis is the main one to speak about. He's going to miss between four to eight weeks. And it seems like Ivan Soldo will be the big um, beneficiary of this. And you, you might even add him as a free agent this week in those deeper draft leagues. Um, Soldo gets a great matchup against the Swans. We've given up the second most fantasy points per game to Ruckman this year. And the Swans are actually down to their third string Ruckman. So Naismith is out for the season and Sinclair is also out injured at the moment. And last week, Nick Nat um, faced the Swans and got 108 adjusted fantasy points for his highest scoring, or second highest scoring game of the season. So you would think that maybe Soldo will take advantage of that this week. Um, do you think, George, that it's worthwhile trusting Soldo in deeper leagues this week over players like Mark Pitanet or, or Andrew Phillips, who might have had better form over the last couple of weeks and been playing, but don't have the great matchup? Soldo does. For sure, mate. Uh, even Bolter, who scored really well last week, actually, and, and is a ruck forward option, I believe, um, you know, could easily outscore Pitt and Phillips this week. So uh, I think you're, you're on the money here. The, the, the Tigers' second string, so to speak, is obviously Nankervis is, is out. Um, should do very well. Yep, agreed, George. And now let's jump over to the players, snakes and ladders. So this is the segment every week where George goes through each position and says a player that he is high on that you should definitely bring in to consider and a player that is that enough. They are out. So first one that's on the chopping block, Pierce Hanley. He's got to go. I don't know what's going on. He hasn't been able to score consistently. He's only averaging 56 for the year and only 43 across the last two rounds. I know he's historically been a very high-scoring player. I think he did get a lot more midfield time in, in seasons past, but for whatever reason, he's not putting it together. One to consider, Brody Smith. He started off slowly this year and still only has an average of 75 points. And I say only, it's a respectable score um, for, a, for a defender or a backman, but, but not huge. That being said, Across the last three weeks, Brody has averaged 92 points and seems to have turned some, some kind of corner, right? Like he's playing a lot better. Um, if he's somehow on the waivers or if you're able to trade him in and, and can leverage the fact that he still has an overall lower average than, than, than some others, I think he's definitely one to, to try and bring in. Um, midfielders. Now, again, this is one we, we hate doing this when the outs are forced, but it has to be the case. The golden boy, Matt Ryle, has got to go. He's not going to be a keeper in the keeper leagues next season. He's too young. Uh, and unfortunately, with his shoulder injury, his shoulder injury rather, uh, where he's likely to be out for the rest of the season, I don't think you can keep him. Um, one to consider, though, the old boy. You've got, we've gone from the young pup to the old boy. Mundy. Amazing on the weekend. Looked like he really turned back the clock with no fife. And I think along with the rest of his Dockers that, were, that are now sitting one and four, he's had a slow start to the year, but it was pretty close to his best with 99 adjusted points on the weekend. Um, you've probably got to keep an eye out you know, on him, to be honest, because Fife is coming back potentially even this week. And I know you, you, you've touched on it before. Brayshaw's uh, a hot up-and-coming young player for Frio that might get some more midfield minutes. But you know, by and large, I think Mundy could be an interesting replacement. Yep, definitely, George. I think Mundy's a great pickup. He was injured to start the season and he's just been a consistent improver all the way through and it looks like he's finally getting 
back to his best form. And, and as we mentioned earlier, Fife, even if he does come back this week, um, he's probably going to get a bit more forward time, which helps the likes of Mundy and Brayshaw in the midfield. Now over to the forwards, George. So the next one that's got to go, Harish. He's hardly getting any midfield minutes, which honestly made it surprising. Essendon aren't exactly movers and shakers. He's a very young, not even that young brother. He's a, he's, he's a relatively young but very promising player. Um, but for whatever reason, he's not getting any time really in the midfield. So maybe this changes with Stringer out. So I know Stringer floats in midfield and plays more forward, but I don't know, mate. I think something's got to go. Something's got to change. He's only averaging, I think, it's 60 or so off the year, coming off a lowly 55 in round five. And just just so happens, buddy, that the one we've talked about for a few times now, for a little while, Brayshaw, that's Andrew, he's got to come in. He's very young. He may be inconsistent. We know all the issues around potentially getting less midfield time with Fife and, and, what, and what, whatever else. But if he's still available, he posted a monster 133 adjusted points as a, as a dual position player, midfield and forward, which gives you that extra flexibility. So if he's available or if you're able to trade him for first, you know, not, not too much, I think there's a lot of upside left in this young boy. Um, and I would be bringing in Brayshaw. Looks an absolute gem. Yeah, I, I really like Brayshaw also, and especially these next few weeks where Fife is either out or is probably going to get less midfield time and more time up forward. I think that really helps Brayshaw. Yeah, for Parrish, I agree, he's been a huge disappointment this year. But yeah, I wouldn't mind just seeing one more week of Darcy Parrish. Let's see if he gets more midfield time now that Stringer is out injured for a long period of time. Because Stringer's actually in about 85% of the Bombers' centre bounces um, over the last few weeks. So that's a lot of midfield minutes to fill. And we saw Parrish get about 80 points per game average last year with midfield minutes. So it can lead to more points for him. So let's see what the Bombers do this week um, in that regard. And, and remember, there was one game this year in round two against the Swans where... Game was in the balance. Fourth quarter, they put Parrish in the midfield and he just exploded. And that was the only good game he's had all season, fantasy-wise. So if he's in the midfield, he can explode. It's, it's a head-scratcher why he's not there, but agree. If they don't play him in the midfield this week, then you know for sure he's not going to get back there anytime soon. Yeah, good points, mate. And that around, uh, around two game against the Swannies. So the last one, I don't know what's going on. This guy can't get a game. Jacobs changes clubs. A lot of actual promise, seemingly. Well, he used to be a very good Gruckman, but since returning from the break in the season, Jacobs has only scored 62, uh, or rather, only averaged 62 points in rounds two and three. And he's seemingly fallen behind big money again at, at, the, at the GWS Giants. So, things got to go. Big head scratcher. Yeah, big, big head scratcher. One that I really like, and this is, again, due to the flexibility of being a ruck and forward option, is Noah Bolter. So, Nank's out. We know Solo's going to be good, but he did play really, really well uh, on the weekend, did Noah. And I think he's got some time um, to get more midfield minutes, or ruck minutes, rather. He scored 96 adjusted points, as I was, uh, as I was alluding to just then. So, I think he could be a really valuable dual position player, even as a, as a backup, as a bench option. Uh, I'd be looking to bring him in, if I could. Yep, it's, uh, it's definitely that great matchup as well this week against the Swans that uh, they've got in the ruck. So let's now talk about matchups. Let's go to the round six start or sit, which we look at the matchups coming up and we tell you who's got the best matchup, who you should definitely be starting or picking up, and those that don't have a great matchup at all and you should be sitting on your bench. Let's start with the starts. Um, and Adelaide, we've said it a few times, they've been bad in a lot of respects, but against fantasy midfields could be their worst. 
Um, they've been giving up the most points to fantasy midfielders in 2020. So Andrew Gaff, if you've got him, great cap- captain option. You've got to start Yo. You've got to start Kelly. You've got to start Sheed. I know you're a big hot and cold, G, but this is the week. If you've got Sheed, you're starting him for sure. Um, Sheed, actually, I'd start over some midfielders that averaged 100 plus points per game last year. So um, some of those players have been a bit out of form and injured, but were great last year, like Zorko, like Sloan. I'd start Sheed over them this week, given that great matchup. And also, he, he gets um, a more midfield time with Shuey out. Um, and then I'd even start him against players that have been in better form than Sheed to start the year, like Selwood or Viney. I would start Sheed over those players. And, and Kelly, you know, obviously, you're definitely starting over those players. Um, on the don't start, the bad matchup, well, Brisbane have been fantastic at stopping, mid, at stopping defenders in 2020. Um, they've been best in the league at that. Um, and last week, they have held Hamish Hartlett and Darcy Byrne-Jones, who are normally top 20 or, or 25 fantasy defenders at worst, to 49 and 45 adjusted fantasy points uh, each. So terrible output for those two. And they've been holding fantasy defenders to terrible scores all season, the lowest scores of any team in the comp. So that means bad news for Geelong defenders this week. And that means Zach Tui. You've got to sit him this week, given the matchup. And I would definitely start players that have averaged less than him so far this year above him. Players like Luke Ryan, Jordan Dawson, Hamish Hartlett, and, and even Matt Suckling, if Suckling gets back into the team, which is likely given Crozier suspended, I would put all of those above Zach Tui this week. That is it for the start or sit. But interestingly, George, this week we had the dual position player changes, which we might just give a quick recap of. So probably the most relevant ones are midfielders that have become defenders also and midfielders that have become forwards because midfielders are obviously very crowded, score a lot of points, while forwards and defenders, um, it isn't as crowded. Um, And that is now, this is actually the first of two times we'll get these positions reviewed over the course of the season. Um, And in terms of on the defensive side, the main addition was James Harms. So the demon, he has averaged um, only 69 adjusted fantasy points per game this year, but he was averaging 94 points per game in 2019. Um, probably unlikely he's available in your deeper draft leagues, but in smaller draft leagues, definitely pick up harms if he's a free agent. And if he's been on your bench in those deep, uh, uh, in those um, smaller league, deeper leagues, then definitely um, put him into the defensive position. Don't keep him on the bench as a midfielder anymore. He should be a top 25 defender that should be starting in most teams. Um, in terms of the other ones that could be decent defender starters in your deeper draft leagues, you've got Jack Bowers of the Gold Coast, Chris Mayne of Collingwood, and Reese Conker of the Dockers might be the relevant ones. Conker's probably been the best of the three to start the year. He's averaged 85 adjusted fantasy points. Mayne and Conker have been pretty similar. They've both averaged about 69 adjusted fantasy points so far this year, which has been slightly below that mid to high 70 um, average that they got last year. And they've slowed down a little bit in the last couple of weeks. So they could be ones maybe you think of if you're getting a bit desperate, but um, probably not as much. And Conker also has that injury concern. So he's a bit more maybe of a long-term target. Looks unlikely to play this week. So, George, of the defender additions, who's been the best Ad, do you think the pick of the bunch, Harms, Bowes, Maine, or Conker? Probably Harms, uh, but only if you believe he'll eventually get more midfield minutes, right? And start scoring like previous years, as you alluded to. Otherwise, none are really amazing options. If you needed some cover in the back, they're okay, um, but none are scoring massively week in, week out, consistently. So, as, again, I'd, I'd probably take Harms um, if 
you had that conviction that he'd get somewhere close to what he used to score because then you'd have an amazing defender. Yeah. Yeah, they aren't, uh, none of them set the world on fire, but if you do kind of, I guess, with the defenders this year, once you go past that kind of number 25, 30 defender, it does get, um, you do, uh, you are clutching at straws a little bit around that range, but maybe some of these guys might be useful if you're in those deeper leagues. Um, In terms of on the forward side, the midfielders that have now become forwards, the main couple are David Swallow and Tom Phillips. Um, they, again, might be sitting on interchange benches in some draft leagues because they're midfielders, but now they are must-start forward, you would think, in almost all draft leagues. Swallow is averaging 88 adjusted fantasy points so far this year. Phillips is a bit less. He's averaging 74 adjusted fantasy points, but he was actually averaging 91 points per game last year. So there is always the potential for that upside if he gets more midfield minutes. Um, while Swallow, I think, is going to be a big beneficiary of Matt Rowell being out. Um, Swallow had 118 adjusted fantasy points last week, which was um, his highest of the season, and that coincided with more midfield time once Rowell got injured, where Swallow took part of 70% of the Suns' centre bounces last week. Um, And then the only other forward to consider in deeper draft leagues is Tom Liberatore has now added forward to his status. So he's averaged 77 adjusted fantasy points per game to start this season. And pleasingly, he's slowly increasing his midfield time. Um, he was in about two-thirds of the Doggies' centre bounce attempts last week. And you've got Bailey Smith. He might be out this week. So that probably helps Libra a little bit. And, and even if Smith comes back, do they start continuing to um, give Libra more midfield time at the expense of Smith over the course of the season? Um, given Smith is a younger player and, and his body might not hold up as well over the course of the whole season in the midfield. And the one risk, I guess, of Libba is Hunter comes back this week from suspension. But um, given Hunter plays a lot more on the wing, I don't think that'll have much of an impact on Libba at all. George, who do you think? Who's the pick of this bunch in the forward edition? Swallow, Phillips or Liberatore? I think Phillips, right? I mean, he's had very good patches scoring over 100 points in the past. I think it's too good to pass up, mate, if you can get him as a forward. You know, his down games are actually going to be pretty decent scores as, a, as an average forward, and his up games are going to make him a very, very valuable forward. Um, so I think if you can get Tom Phillips, actually, that's a very good pickup. That's great advice, George. I have put in the waiver wire request. I'm getting Tom Phillips, who was a free agent in my league. So bye-bye, Jaden Stevenson. Hello, Tom Phillips. I think that's the kind of player that you should probably be dropping for Tom Phillips. But let's now get to your favourite part of the show. I'm still a bit lukewarm on it, given where the score's at. But the great rankings debate, George, you lead eight to four at the moment, um, even though I'm starting to... I've inched back one last week. So this is where we've got the rankings up for each position as to how we would rank them for the upcoming round on aflfantasyexpert.com.au. And then at each of the different positions and the captain spot, George, you look at the rankings and you say, this is one I would flip over on its head that you disagree with. So let's start off with the big dogs in the captain, George. Yeah. So once again, I agree with the top spot. If you have Grundy, make him captain. Pretty simple. But Mitchell, again, I know last week I lost by three points or so because Gap up underscored relative to Mitchell, but they were, I think, scores like in an unadjusted context, 69 and 66 or something like that. I mean, they both had, well, I would say that Gaff, given his season, had an off game and Mitchell seemingly hasn't really hit his straps just yet. So he hasn't posted yet the scores that we're used to seeing, nowhere near A-grade captain scores. So for me, Trelaw last week came back with 131 adjusted points and I would have him over Mitchell. 
Yeah, this is this is a, probably the toughest one, George. It's um, it was very tough. There is only I think one separating the two in the rankings, and I was umming and ahhing about it. Trelaw did look really good in his first match back, but just in the back of my mind, I get these recollections of Tom Mitchell destroying the Pies, who never tag anybody the last couple of times they've played, and I think that included fifty-four disposals in twenty eighteen. Is that right? Fifty-four. I think I think the upside's too big here. If if it all clicks for Mitchell, he could have a monster game. So that's why he's just above Trelaw, who might be the slightly safer option. <laughs> if he gets if he gets forty touches, I'll buy you a beer when I'm out of lockdown, right? <laughs> right. So. This might be the longest way for a beer ever. But let's go to the defenders. Um, George, what what issue do you have with the defender rankings this week? Please not get carried away with harms. I know I said that he's the pick of the bunch and he could of the the new the new dual position players and he has upside. But right now he's a backman and he's only averaging sixty nine adjusted points this year. Instead, you can get Jaden Short, who's averaging eighty three adjusted points this year, and he should get more responsibility dashing out of the defence with no ball in the, in, the, in the coming weeks. So for me, I would have Jaden Short above in the rankings harms. Yeah, George, I agree. Hums was a difficult one to place. He's, he's a bit risky. Um, he's starting to get a bit more midfield time. So he was in about 35% of the Demon Centre bounce attempts last week. So I do see upside on his 69 adjusted average this year, um, particularly the way the Demons haven't really been clicking lately. Um, so maybe Simon Goodwin, you know, tries to mix it up and gives Hums some more midfield minutes. Um, because we did see Hums was great from a fantasy perspective when he was in the midfield last year. Um, he averaged 94 points per game. So that's what the upside looks like if he does get that midfield time. So there is some upside um, potential there. While Short's been the solid player all year, he's been very consistent. But I don't know what, what the impact is with Julian Edwards out of the team. Does that kind of put a bit more attention on someone like Short? Like if you're thinking about it, um, uh, opposition defensive forward's going to give him a bit more attention and... Who else is there in that Richmond backline? I was having a look and, I mean, maybe Short is the best player in that defensive backline at rebounding that maybe the opposition targets to lock down now, which is something that Short would have never seen before. So um, that could be something that maybe is a slight downside risk for Short coming up um, this week. Over to the mids, George. Yeah, I was going to say, let's see, moving on to the mids. And again, I know Sheaf has had one good game for the year. And I know that Chewy isn't playing this week, but come on, what's he doing? Now I think that Menegola, my pick, should should, should be the should, should be above Sheed. So what I will say from the outset is matchup here is very hard. So Sheed is playing the out of form crows, he could go nuts. I give you that. And Menegola's playing the inform lines, he could get, you know, much less the ball than normal. But if you take a step back and if you exclude Menegola's round three score when he came off the ground injured. He only had 46% time on ground. His average score since returning from the break has been 116 adjusted points. And again, if you keep taking a longer-term view, Menegol was not that old. He had, a, he had a down 2019. He had a few injuries. But he seems to have gotten his body fit, and he's back to scoring 2018, 2017 scores, and he's benefiting from Cali not being in the side and having moved to the Eagles. So for me, mate, I'm taking Menegola over Dom Sheed this week. Yeah, I do really like Menangolo, and I think long-term he is um, a very underrated player, particularly for fantasy, because um, like you said, just racks it up. But, George, you've already said it. It's match-up, match-up, match-up. We said last week Gaff would struggle against the Swans because of match-up, and he did. This week, Dom Sheed is going to cash in. He gets the Crows. Easiest match-up for fantasy midfielders by a long way. 
Um, and Shuey out, you mentioned it. You basically said my argument. So we saw what he did last week. He had 139 adjusted fantasy points against a much more difficult matchup in the Swans. So I'm, I'm loving Sheed this week. Um, so get on board him. Let's go to the forwards, George. So in the forward line, I think Gresham is lucky not to be in the forward. One of the snakes that I have uh, every week. He's averaging only 72 adjusted points, which honestly is in line with 2018. And I think that's as good as he's going to get for the year. Not, not bad by any means, but why wouldn't you get Butler? You know, on the other hand, he's been an absolute star for the Saints. And yet he's in spot 49 with Gresham in 29, 20 points above him. So I'm taking Butler and his adjusted 91 uh, average score this year over Gresham uh, this week, for sure. This is my easiest win of the bunch. Lock it in. I love Jade Gresham this week. And you shouldn't be trading him out. I love, I love Gresham for the season. If you take out his two injured games this season where he couldn't finish the match in one and he played it out with a swollen black eye that he couldn't see through in the other one, he's actually averaging 93 adjusted fantasy points per game. So his average is, is a lot better than when you look through. Um, and... Zach Jones was out last week, and that meant Gresham got a lot more midfield minutes in there where he took part of 60% of the Saints centre bounces. And Jones may not return this week, and, and even if he does, Hennebury is definitely out. So you've got either one or two Saints regular midfielders out. So that means that Gresham's going to get at least that many midfield minutes again this week, if not more. So that's a big tick for him. Butler, he's been kicking a lot of goals to start the season, um, which has helped his fantasy average. But... Um, if you take out the, those goals, it probably does kind of go down a little bit. Um, and I think his score kind of reverts to somewhere around where he scored last week, where he got 74 adjusted fantasy points. I think that's more where Butler sits in the long run rather than keeping up a 90-plus average. Um, but let's finish off with the rucks, George. So this week, Richmond play the Swans, who, as we've discussed already, have lost both Sinclair and Naismith to injury. With Nankervis out for the Tigers, I think Bolter, as I mentioned earlier as well, mate, can really lift, right, and outperform. And I think he's going to outperform relative to Sean Darcy for sure. Uh, I know this is very close, me taking player 24 over 22, but I think Bolter will significantly outscore Darcy. Yeah, I really don't have a great deal of confidence in either of these guys. So if you are starting one of them, my condolences, you are, um, you know, in a difficult position, but I'm taking Sean Darcy. He had a, he had a pretty solid game last week, 63 adjusted fantasy points in his first match back from injury. And, and we know Darcy's going to get all the ruck time at Fremantle. He had 83% of the center bounces for the Dockers last week. While Bolter on the other hand, I mean, unless he just continues to outperform playing in key position, I don't think he's going to get too much ruck time. I mean, Nan Kervis is out. We know that. So they'll definitely bring Soldo in and he'll do most of the ruck job. Um, Bolter only averaged 48 points per game last year. Maybe there has been some improvement over the course of the year, but um, I, I'm not going to jump all on him after one week this year. I think we're going to see something, you know, closer to that form um, rather than what he did last week as he's in that kind of predominantly key position role. But um, who knows, George, you're, you're in front so far. You've done, you've done a good job, but um, this could be the week. Maybe it'll be 9-8 to me after this week. I've got a, I've got a feeling. Oh, I hope not. <laughs> Well, thanks, George. It's always a pleasure. Let's uh, look forward to seeing how we have scored on the Great Rankings debate. Um, stay safe in lockdown down in Melbourne, George, and we'll, we'll speak right. next week. Sounds good. Good luck to everybody listening. Have a good week. Thanks. thanks, everyone. This has been the Talking Fantasy podcast, and make sure you check out all of those rankings on aflfantasyexpert.com.au. Until next week, goodbye. <laughs>